Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. We're back doing Lazy Doctor Who. After so long that the microphone was literally dusty. <laughs> it's covered in dye. It scraped dust off the uh, windsock, which is A, uh, a notion that we haven't recorded in a while, and B, we haven't dusted in a while either. <laughs> it's true. Although I don't usually focus on the microphones when I'm dusting. No, uh, our microphone is on the bottom of our coffee table, though, which, as I look down, there's an amalgam of xbox controllers and uh sponge hockey pucks and uh, dvd drives Mm -hmm. apparently we collect those during pandemics and cassette tapes and uh blank dvds those are for my (laughs) recons because those of i suppose the lazy doctor who listeners haven't uh, heard that yet i i redid um all the did you find oh there's a hair on there yeah we also haven't got our hair cut in the pandemic either um i've been redoing personalized copies of the um missing episode recons adding the uh audiobook narration versions on there because i find them the best when you're watching the the recons with the audio but also with narration on there but not not sharing them because that would be copyright infringement so but that's what I've been doing. And I want to burn onto DVDs so they can have a proper place on the DVD shelf. Mm-hmm. And then we'll watch them all again for this podcast. We won't. Mm, probably not. No. No. Unless we just loop around. <laughs> Once we finish in a flurry, uh, inspired by this return to watching Doctor Who now uh, with the mutants. Episode one of the mutants. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, I, I feel like this is a good time to do another uh, land uh, acknowledgement that we are recording this episode on Treaty 6 territory uh, in in Alberta. Yes, on the traditional lands of the Plains Cree, Tusina, and Cree uh, peoples. Yes, because, yeah, it's not like Doctor Who has ever been political. No, no, they just, let's, let's talk about uh, colonialists leaving granting uh, a former colony independence, apartheid, segregation, all that stuff. Yeah, pretty heavy. Yeah, I, I is, you know, when uh, Jeffrey Palmer is giving the speech about like 500 years ago, we signed the treaty and I was like, oh, we know all about signing yeah. treaties and uh, yeah, and really keeping up the end of the bargain there. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, but on another note, Jeffrey Palmer... <laughs> I listen we I don't know when the last so we did our little car cast which is just feedback basically back in March and I don't remember when we finished the sea devils off but I have been like waiting for weeks months to for this to unfold a first off let's deal with the with the tie-ins that I've been waiting to uh to make um we were talking about during the sea devils about the hot chocolate uh, it was called Kai, and I thought, oh, just wait, because the next episode, there's Kai, too. <laughs> uh, a guy named Kai. A guy named Kai. Played by Garrick Hagen, Canadian actor Garrick Hagen, who I interviewed once at, uh, uh, at Gallifrey One, and it was one of my favorite interviews because he's Canadian. He's just a warm, nice fellow, and I just had such a great time talking to him. He, of course, would go on to be big star uh, Darklighter in Star Wars, uh, and then he would play the Undertaker in a town called um, Mercy. Mercy in 2011. He's from Canada, from Ontario. Yeah. Yay, Canada. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
what else? So there's the Kai uh, thing. There was the, yes, Jeffrey Palmer, who is so awesome and renowned that they bring him in and kill him off <laughs> in the first episode. So spoiler alert, that's the last you see of Jeffrey Palmer. I mean, I'm not surprised. I guess I don't really know all that much about his career to know how well known he was at the time i just sort of assumed that he was well known and he might be the kind of actor that they could only get for one episode but i I don't really know because the thing that i mostly know him from is you know one of our uh pandemic things that we have done basically every weekend is order breakfast from our favorite local place to try to keep them in business have that delivered and watch an episode of as time goes by starring judy dench and jeffrey palmer so i see him every week it was very weird to watch him appear it looked so slim and young and with a much higher voice and just like Uh, he's very young here i know much more dramatic of course we saw him in doctor who and the silurians right um he would become famous for i'm trying to think when is the um oh what uh, i'm trying to think which faulty towers episode that he's in i'm trying to think of season one or season two i've blanked on it but see the fact that it's such a difference is because season one's 75 season two is 79 he's known for being in that episode and you're right i don't know the trajectory of jeffrey palmer's career either where he is between faulty towers and as time goes by is a mystery to me. Of course, he shows up once more in Doctor Who, oh in uh, Voyage of the Damned. I somehow I forgot that. Yeah, is he the captain? He's the captain of the ship. Oh, yeah, right. I love Jeffrey Palmer so much. R.I.P. R.I.P. Jeffrey Palmer. Mm-hmm. So, um, what else do I want to point out? Oh, yes, go on. You had something else. Well, I was just gonna. I was gonna talk about the gap between previous recording and and now. Oh, right, that. And just say that, like, you know, I, we've had a number of people reach out and be like, "Are you gonna get back to it?" And I was just like, "Yes." You know, lazy's in the title, and I feel like lazy doesn't actually encompass the full like reasoning for why we've been away. Like, it's. I'm sure you all know. It's been a really hard year plus now, and especially because these are episodes of Doctor Who that I had never seen before. Like the idea of watching new Doctor Who, yeah, new to me, Doctor Who, in the middle of just really awful circumstances, like I kind of just didn't feel like it. And Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to really do this podcast from a place of feeling you know like i have to obligation yes thank you that's the word i was looking for that's another thing i've like all the stress of this last year makes it a lot harder to think of words and that's not great for podcasting (laughs) so another reason to put things off but uh um you know i i was actually still even a little bit worried today going into watching this you said you know do you because we've been talking about it more and more recently Mm -hmm. about getting back to it and you said let's you know Today I had a bunch of things that were I was supposed to do that got canceled, so extra free day. And you were like, Look, "You want to watch some Doctor Who?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And then I was like, "Oh, do I <laughs> do I really want to do this? Uh-huh. I'm not sure." But as soon as it started up and we saw, you know, Joe and the Doctor, I just got this sort of warm, fuzzy feeling. So Aww. I was just like, "Yeah, this is this is this is okay. This is this, I feel like I'm glad we didn't come back to this any sooner." Yeah. Um, but it I feel like it's not too soon, so I'm all right. Because we can sort of see the, you know, the end date to this. You know, we we can... Doctor Who? No, <laughs> never. To to the pandemic, you know, both of us have, uh, in a week's time, we can book our second doses. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, for me, it, it's it's been the uncertainty of it all mm-hmm. that has been hardest um, getting through all this because I like to plan things yep. and have finite dates and thinking, here's what we can do here. But then, you know, I didn't know what we could do in a day, mm-hmm. let alone months or anything like that. So I'm feeling a little more optimistic these days. I know I know what you mean about like watching things that you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Because for the most part I watched uh the thick of it about twenty eight times mm-hmm. through the entire series. We've been watching the sandbaggers on and off. Um there's been very little new television watching going on over the past year and a half because we just want more comfort. And so I'm 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 glad. I wouldn't want you to have watched the mutants and other stories that you have never seen and go <sighs> Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, there's, there, as a human being with a human brain, there is no way to truly objectively watch something and not let your, your mood and your state of mind and stuff mm-hmm. affect things. And, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm a little bit okay at that. Like I've practiced for podcasting and stuff to kind of, you know, put that other stuff out of my mind, but this is not that kind of show. Like we are just watching Doctor Who for ourselves yeah. and happen to be podcasting about it. So I don't want to watch Doctor Who without lens. I just want to sit and enjoy and and let it wash over me and i was certainly not in a position to do that until now and i was like i said wasn't entirely sure until we actually started watching it um so yeah it was it it felt like it felt like coming back home after being away for a while so it was nice oh did you um did you have any idea like i i've been i do my best to keep you spoiler free when it comes mm-hmm. to these things. So like, I don't even know what you expected. Do you, have you heard of this story? Did you know uh, anything about it going in? Uh, yeah. Um, I've heard bits and pieces on podcasts and stuff. As a matter of fact, there's actually a Verity episode uh-huh. about this story that I was not on that I haven't listened to yet. It's one of the rare Verities that like you edited it. So I didn't, and I didn't listen to it. So I, uh, I'm excited to finish off all of this whenever, so I can listen to that episode of Verity. But, um, but I, so I knew Jeffrey Palmer was in it, okay. but I had forgotten that when we started it. So when he showed up, like he walks in the room and the first thing I noticed was his amazing outfit. Yeah. Like that is a slick uniform. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really liked it. Um, and, uh, and then like a beat after that, I was like, holy crap, <laughs> it's, it's Jeffrey Palmer. You said, oh my God. Oh my God. Is that what I said? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, I was very, <laughs> Quote I was very excited to see a cool uniform. And then I was very, very excited to see that it was Jeffrey Palmer. Um, you know, Lionel Hardcastle himself. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I knew he was in it. I did not, I think, realize, or if I knew, I forgot that he was going to die so soon. So that was a bit of a disappointment, but not like a total surprise. Like we said, um, I knew that it, it dealt with, uh, colonialism um i knew that rick james's performance is panned and i am not certain why so far maybe it gets worse i don't know like he has a different accent from everybody else and he's a little bit stiff but good lord people have you watched doctor who before there are a heck of a lot of stiff performances and the fact that suddenly there's a black man who has a different accent and he's the one that you start harping on come on doctor who fandom i i think the what uh people have dumped i have come around on rick james i find it his performance somewhat endearing and his character somewhat endearing. He is an actor, or was an actor, he died a few years ago, uh, from uh, the Caribbean, I think. Mm-hmm. And there was a disconnect between the director, Christopher Berry, and the writers, Bob Baker and Dave Martin. Bob Baker and Dave Martin, I think, very much wanted this to be uh, an allegory on um, 
apartheid in South Africa and, and, you know, this is at a time like, you know, when England is, is leaving African colonies, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I think what, seven or eight in one fell swoop in 1960 declared their independence. Um, So this is very much a hot topic at the time. And I think Christopher Berry didn't want to uh, be as overt with that approach. And I, I don't know if he just on a whim, he cast Rick James as cotton um, because that part was written for someone who is a Cockney. Mm-hmm. The dialogue is written as Cockney. Everything's sort of written to be as sort of like someone from East London. And Rick James basically read it as like phonetically accurate <laughs> as it was said on the page and said it. So I think there's, there's a miscasting in that character, they, or they, at least they didn't alter the dialogue once they cast the actor. And I think that's where the misconnect happens, where it's or disconnect. It, it seems wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, to me, as somebody who is just looking at this as a thing that's happening in the 30th century yeah. in the future, it's like, maybe some people talk differently. Okay. I'm fine with that. Especially in a Bob Baker, Dave Martin script, because they've often, because, oh, yeah. you know, with the later on, we'll see in the, you know, the, uh, everyone's got uh, South African accents in, so, in the Santaran uh, experiment. And they're saying, you understand, you understand. And all the, like, f- the phonetic signs in the science base and the invisible enemy mm-hmm. is another one that they're, they're very much a, a keen uh, fans of language and how it might evolve in the future. So you're right. That might be a thing. Yeah. Yep. And I like, I, so just looking at Rick James' performance i don't feel like it's any better or worse than you know the people around him Mm -hmm. really i mean he's no jeffrey palmer but neither is anybody else in this show that's true (laughs) so there's jeffrey palmer anymore because he got assassinated yeah Yeah. um and you know obviously nobody's as sort of naturalistic as the doctor and joe because they've had you know years now to settle into their characters Mm -hmm. blah 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 but you know, all the other guards and mutts and solarians and whatever are either chewing the scenery or a little bit stiff or over the top. And I just, I don't know. I, I feel like had I not known coming in that there was something to be left desired in his performance, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have even noticed it. <laughs> no, I, I, I look at it now and I go, oh, you know what? I, I actually quite like him. I'm sure I probably thought different many years ago when I first started watching this. Mm-hmm. I was probably you know, bathed in the uh, received fan wisdom as well, um, being told to watch out for this bad performance from Rick James. Um, but no, as I say, I find him endearing. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll we'll see more of him as the story goes along. Mm-hmm. Him and Stubbs, the guy who, uh, you know, who just seems so delightful. Aww. Remember Stubbs? Yeah. And they had the doctor and Joe, like, you know, knock about Venus and Aikido. Like, oh, he was so sweet. I hated doing that. Yeah, yeah but I mean, I don't... Like, he's not dead, right? No, he's not dead. Okay. Spoiler alert, he's not dead. Yeah, look, the doctor's <laughs> not going to kill somebody that way, no. No. Right in front of Joe as she's having a conversation with him. Oh, my God, that would be terrible. So dark. Yep, yeah. no, not at all. But no, I really enjoyed him and the fact that, yeah, we should have given them independence a long time ago. And it doesn't seem like he's coming from necessarily a very, like, from the little bit that we've seen so far, it, it seems like it's coming from a more sort of selfish place, like... I yeah. just want to go home. We should be taking care of the problems that we've got back on the on the home front, um, mm-hmm. which you know, fine. That's a that's a f- fine thing to think. It doesn't it doesn't seem like yes, we should be giving them independence because darn it, that's what they deserve, and we shouldn't be here in the first place. He doesn't strike me as that kind of guy, no. but 
still I like he's just he just seemed like you know he's just a just a swell fella so far so far yeah that's what I thought too and I thought they'd make a good little uh, you know Stubbs and Cotton even the names are like you know double acty yeah although the name Cotton for a black man is like that that, that kind of made me blink a that, little bit that is some of the bit of blind casting so to speak mm-hmm. where sometimes it does not yeah translate well <laughs> yep mm-hmm. Well, yep, yep. Yeah. Like the joke in um, uh, Empress of Mars, Mark Gatiss wrote. You know, he wrote a reference to a Day of the Daleks, uh, and where the one officer goes to the other, where he's like eating these things. You know, RHIP. You know, rank has its privilege uh, when he's doing something. It's a it's a throwback to Day of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. But then they cast a black man as the other person, and when he says RHIP, it's making it's a. He's not going to say race has its privilege, is it? Because that is 100% what I thought at the time. So there are there are some things that have to be altered when it comes to uh, writing and casting if you're, yeah. Yeah, cold casting is uh, is dangerous. It is dangerous. But, uh, but yeah, so Doctor Who, the never ever political show, purely here to amuse, to entertain, dives headlong into segregation and colonialism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Pertwee era was a lot more bold uh, than I think a lot of people uh, give it credit for. I really enjoyed the way this story started because mm-hmm. I, you know, it really just sort of throws you in, in terms of what's, you know, I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not confused about what's happening with Joe and the doctor. That's, right. that's for sure. Um, but the, I liked the scene between Joe and the doctor. It's very just comfortable and had that amazing line where like the thing appears there. Yeah. Joe's just like lunch, all cute and stuff like that, which is that's a that's a hilarious joke in and yeah. of itself. And then, she's hungry. Yeah. yeah, and then the doctor, of course, is like, uh, and her next line is bomb <laughs> because what makes more sense? Like, I don't think I have ever loved Joe more than just in that moment in those two lines. It was absolutely pitch perfect. That was mm-hmm. just great. That was wonderful. So anyway, that made me feel really good about coming back to Doctor Who, and it was just very very nice. Um, but the uh, the stuff where you're thrown in and you absolutely have no idea what's going on on the planet where there's all of this fog and, you know, somebody's running away from a guy in a uniform who really reminded me of the captain from... Um, pirate Planet. From the Pirate Planet. Yeah, I was like, is that even the same actor? It's definitely not. And I realized that even after you, you told me. Um, but just sort of the, you know, blowhard and the, the uniform and the, mm-hmm. the helmet and stuff all just kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, Plays a similar character in the uh, Smugglers. Paul Whitson Jones does was in that. I'm sure you remember from I, not seeing a single moving image from it, basically. But uh, I don't remember much of the Smugglers at all. I am sorry. I do because I did a recon. Of it. <laughs> I, I redid the recon, so I remember bits of it more than you do. Yeah, That's pirates and stuff. Not surprising. Yeah, pirate Planet, pirates and the Smugglers. Oh, Paul Whitson Jones died in 1976 of appendicitis. Ooh. He's only 49 years old. Yikes. Why do I know that? I, I was know. curious. Like, why has he acted? Oh, he's dead. That's why. You know a lot of Doctor Who related things. I know, but I'm always terrified of appendicitis. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a ticking time bomb. <laughs> like, you know, and to find that Paul Whitson Jones died of it mm-hmm. makes me scared. So. Well, if your side starts hurting, you tell me immediately. I am terrified every time it happens. <laughs> terrified. Please just be a gas pain. Please just be a gas pain. Oh, boy. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, I, I liked the feeling of not having any idea what was going on and just mm-hmm. sort of discovering it. And I think this story does a good job of slowly giving you the information that you need to understand. Like by the end of the episode, I understood what the situation was, right. that this is, you know, 
the time in Earth's future, the Empire thing. I even know how long they'd been there and that they've ruined the sky and the Uh planet and, you know, environmental issues run amok. And it was this one guy who spearheaded the atmospheric uh, experiments um, or at least some of them, and that might be what's causing the mutts. We don't actually know that yet. Um, so, like, all of this information, I feel like at the beginning, I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be a story where I struggle to keep up. But, no, by the end of the first episode, they actually had doled out the information piece by piece by piece, uh-huh. and it it was at a good enough, like, a nice, steady, slow pace that I could comprehend it, understand it, and, like, put all of those layers of information together, you know. And you were mentioning, like, language and signs and stuff and everything from the signs that show that things are segregated to the way people interact with each other. And you've got the Solarians. Is that Solarians? Solonians. Solonians. Solarians from Mass Effect, too. <laughs> yeah, it's, we've had a lot of Mass Effect happening yeah. in the house lately. Um, uh, the Solonians having multiple... Um, Factions. See, Mm -hmm. words are hard. Podcasting is difficult. (laughs) Uh, Getting back to it. It's all right. Uh, Multiple factions within themselves arguing and just like there's a lot of interesting politicking going on. Mm -hmm. And I, I, another thing that I have noticed in my own brain over this past, you know, year or so is that I sometimes have had more, you know, all the stress makes it harder to follow things. Mm -hmm. So watching and reading things that are more complicated has been difficult. And that was another worry (laughs) at the beginning of this. Like, oh boy, am I going to be able to follow this? Not just because it might be a confusing thing, but just because my brain is easily confused. So I was very pleased that that ended up not happening at all. Um, I just, there's a a huge bit of relief in me right now, having completed the first episode to be like, okay, this was good. And I followed it. And I am interested to see what happens next? And there were so many just adorable little moments between the Doctor and Joe. Um, I just, yeah, the third Doctor has really grown on me. I think watching him in context and in order has made a really big difference. That makes me happy because I, uh, as I've often said on this podcast, I was concerned about what, what you would think when you got, especially since you enjoyed the Troughton era and the black and white era as a whole so much. So I think once we get into color and mm-hmm. Pertwee and knowing what you knew about Pertwee or thought about Pertwee from the few episodes that you saw out of context, I thought, you're not going to like him, but here we are. Mm-hmm. And you like him. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Wow. Yeah. It's this, the d- diving into random third doctor episodes in the midst of other things that I had seen and loved and felt really comfortable with was not a good way to introduce myself Uh to the third doctor. Um, And, you know, for everybody, their Doctor Who discovery is different. And I can't say that I recommend to anybody that the way that you watch Doctor Who for the first time is starting at the very beginning and just going straight through. Um, But it definitely has some benefits that I am, I'm learning as I, as I go through it. But, also, if you don't do dip around and you find that you're not liking some doctors, maybe the cure for that is to actually just watch all of Doctor Who in order. And when you get there, it will be better than you expected. That's true. I always, uh, you know, say don't watch Don't necessarily feel like you need to watch six episodes of a story mm-hmm. in one day because that was never the way it was intended to be watched. So if you think that it's like going, oh, this is, takes forever and it's too slow and stuff. Well, I felt like this episode hummed along. Stuff happened. Episode one, the mutants. Yeah, it yeah. it it did not. It ne- there was never a point where it dragged, and I was like, "Is this is this almost done yet?" Or anything? No, no, that's good. 
Uh, can I point out uh, some things? Um, let's uh, pour one out for Joe's sunglasses, which we see for like four seconds when she's looking out. Mm-hmm. These amazingly huge, massive, which are surely Katie Manning's own sunglasses, so, yeah. uh, which makes me believe that maybe her outfit is her same because her coat is awesome. You made a comment about her jacket that she was wearing. The jacket and the pants, like they match. So yeah. she's basically dressed like a grandmother's sofa because it looks like it looks like a tapestry or something. And I'm not saying that to right. be insulting. I'm just saying that that's what it made me think of. I think it's a fantastic outfit between that amazing coat, which is like I love the cut of it, and the yeah. pattern is pretty cool, and the pants pattern is the same, and then those boots that like go all the way up her calves. Like mm-hmm. that's a that is a fantastic outfit. I like it. I do too. I don't know if it was uh, her own or if it was designed by who I think is making his Doctor Who debut here, Jim. James Atchison. James Atchison would go on to do some stellar work on Doctor Who. He would, amongst other things, design the Time Lord outfits in The Deadly Assassin. He is the reason why everyone is wearing collars to this day. Uh, he did other stuff too. Like I think he did Towns of Wing Chang, and I can't remember the other ones he did. I think he worked a lot with Dave Maloney. But after Doctor Who, he goes on and he has won three Oscars in his career for costume design. So, yeah, four Dangerous Liaisons. Um, what was the one? Last Emperor, which is the year before I realized, and then I think uh, Restoration is another. Basically, all three are like period pieces. But uh, I've, he, I've never seen any of them. Sorry. Nor have I. Nor have I. But I know that uh, somebody who was on Doctor Who um went on to win Oscars for this. So, so yeah. That's 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 pretty cool. That's cool. Other also cool. Jeremy Bear is the name of the designer. Yes. We both shouted Jeremy Bear in like excited voices at exactly the same time in unison yeah. when his name came on the screen. Yeah, because there is a, uh, he's called like, oh, what's his name in like other parts of the world? In the UK, he's known as Barnaby, Barnaby Bear. Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and Colerol? Uh, Colerol? In original, his original Belgian yeah. Yeah, origin. Anyway, it's a cartoon series back from like the 60s or 70s. Uh, 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 it's not a cartoon. Not to a cartoon. Stop motion animation, which yeah. was one of my earliest memories of watching television. I was enthralled with the adventures of Jeremy Bear and his little friend, the crow. Um, I'm a bear called Jeremy. I can do most everything. Da, 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 da. Yeah, anyway. Um, I can sing. Yeah. <laughs> you know better than I do. Jeremy, yeah. You know better than I do. It's a great song. I had never heard of it until I came to Canada. So it is, it's like, it has a special place in my heart learning about Jeremy Bear uh, as part of my becoming Canadian. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he was, he, yeah, he's a big part of, of my childhood too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, now that I pointed it out, you can look for it. They're in the sky base walls in the corridors. They're sort of like these circles that sort of like are the dividing lines in parts of the corridor. And on it, there's a pattern, sort of like interlocking triangles, which was I think he made from some like vacuum form to sort of make it interesting and stuff. That pattern mm-hmm. that Jeremy Bear made for this shows up in literally everything for years to come. <laughs> Many Doctor Who's. Uh-huh. Blake Seven. Doctors Who. Doctors Who. Everywhere. So now, thus begins the game. We have to keep looking out for where it shows up because they just use that same pattern. They don't use the same bits of set. They just sort of like print the same sort of walls from that pattern. I remember it showing up in the Horns of Naimon later on. Uh, I think somewhere in the 1980s as well. It's 
everywhere. All right. In the next episode of this, you have to like pause it and point out what you're talking about because you like thank you for not stopping the episode and, and pointing it out in, yeah. before. But now I need to know what it is. I was confident that you would see it again, mm-hmm. which is why I didn't point it out right. on this and why I wanted to share it for these the surprise, mm-hmm. the, the bombastic surprise on this podcast. But yeah, mm-hmm. when you see it, once you see it, mm-hmm. you will never unsee it. Okay. And for years to come. Well, thank you, Jeremy Bear. I guess he can do most anything. <laughs> Perfect. Anything else? Can't top that. I know. I feel like that's going out on a high. Okay. Well, until the next one, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye.